Amen. Would you stand with us tonight as we get into the word of the Lord? We're going to be going to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians 3 and 13, and then we'll read Hebrews 12 and 29. 1 Corinthians 3 and 13, Hebrews 12 and 29. Amen. And I feel good in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. You guys got a little too quiet on me there. Just, just, you talk to your neighbor. No, not really. I'm excited about what the Lord is going to do in this house tonight. I just, I feel really just a continuation from what God started this morning. Uh, I feel like we've already seen some of that in the song service here tonight. And I just, I believe that God's not done ministering. So if you haven't gotten what you needed yet tonight, stay tuned because it's coming. Amen. Amen. First Corinthians 3 and 13 reads this way. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Hebrews 12 and 29 for our God is a consuming fire for our God is a consuming fire. Would you pray with me before you're seated? Jesus we love you. We're so thankful to be gathered together in your house with people of like precious faith. Lord, I pray that our faith would be increased tonight, that our eyes would be set upon you, that our hearts would be turned towards you tonight, O oh Lord. I pray the anointed word would destroy every yoke of bondage in our lives, God, and that your fruitfulness, your goodness, the fruit of your spirit, the gifts of your spirit, Lord, would flourish in our lives and you would have your way in this service tonight in Jesus' holy name we pray and everybody said amen. amen you may be seated an honor to your pastor and his family love and appreciate them so much appreciate their love for the Lord their love for ministry thank you to all of you for allowing me to be here with you multiple times this year it's been my great honor and I'm truly blessed uh, to be a part small part of what the Lord is doing here so glad to have my wife with me here tonight love and appreciate her so much give her honor amen years ago I owned and operated a landscape company and during some of our busy years as we were growing and and uh, expanding I found myself in this situation as many small business owners uh, have found themselves in this situation before you know you start out you're kind of doing everything but as the business begins to grow you have to hire some people and that sounds easy enough right but when it comes time to hire people you find out that's a lot more challenging than you thought that it would be. All the business owners say, amen. Because what I discovered is, is what people put on their application and what people put on their resume is not always accurate. Amen. The Bible says we see through a glass darkly. Sometimes people have a little bit more confidence than they should in their skill set. Uh, 
Sometimes people may exaggerate their capabilities on an application. But it only took a couple of days working out in the hot sun in grueling conditions for me to find out that what was listed on the application was not necessarily the truth. <clears throat> I think sometimes in life we can be the same way. Oh, nobody said amen on that one. They're like, you go ahead and walk out there all by yourself. We'll see what happens. Have fun out on that branch. We say we have faith in God. We are apostolic. As a matter of fact, that was a great branded t-shirt. I saw a lot of those this year, right? We are apostolic, those gold t-shirts. I saw it on a face mask here somewhere today. And we make these declarations about ourselves and our walk with God. But let a little storm break out. Let a little disruption in your environment break out. Let a little rearranging, involuntary rearranging happen in your life. And all of a sudden, what you put down on the application is revealed. What you profess to be, what you profess to believe, what you profess to have is quickly exposed in the face of adversity. Because that's what adversity does. It pulls back the veil in our life. And it shows to us and to others exactly who we are. When the pressure is on, we can't escape who we really are. Back in April, I preached to a camera in my home church. I say that like I, you know, live out of state or something. 20 minutes down the road, I preached into a camera. And the Lord gave me this message called the Ministry of Apollos. I referenced it here in those Wednesdays when I was here a few months back. And the Lord said, what people water in this season will be what increases when this season ends. And just a few months ago, I preached a message here at the conclusion of that four-week series about this season ending and us stepping into a season of increase very soon. And like you, when the Lord gave me that message, in my mind, I imagined the end of this season to be this glorious exit out of adversity. That's right, you can continue to imagine that. But what I am discovering is the further we get down this road, the more the pressure is building. And the further this season seems to extend, 
the greater the chaos is becoming. Talk to you this morning about that feeling of exhaustion. I know so many of you have felt it throughout this year. Just you feel exhausted. Feel worn out. Feels like it takes so much to muster up that faith and that faithfulness that used to be so easily accessible. But as this pressure continues and the chaos continues, what we have been watering is starting to be revealed in our lives. Mm. You know, the enemy understands seasons. He's a student of the word. And our adversary understands when there's a shift in the season. And there's a change in the season. So he understands if it's time to water, he said, well then I will make plenty of things accessible to you so that you can water the things that I want you to water. All the while, the Lord is encouraging us to water the things that he wants us to water. And when that adversity breaks out in our life, we discover what we've been watering. Because the pressure of the chaos and the pressure of the season begins to reveal exactly what we've been entertaining in our lives. Right. See, many times we think our daily activities are just passing time. But what I do or don't do on a daily basis, that's the watering, will determine what grows when a season of increase shows up. God's not going to control what you water. That's your part. But what you water will increase. That's the law of harvest at work in your life. And sometimes God allows a storm to erupt in your life so that you can see what you've been watering in your life. See, because we're really good at lying to ourselves. It's all good. I've been taking care of business. How many times you told somebody, oh, we've been praying for you? Mm-hmm. It's easy for us to show up and play the part like we've been watering the things that we need to water. But let a little trouble erupt in your life and we're going to find out what you've been watering. Sometimes it's the mercy of the Lord to allow adversity to come into your life uh, so you can see the areas of your spiritual garden that you have been neglecting. Mm. Because there is coming a time where all will be revealed. And when that time comes, it's going to be too late to play catch up. 
So don't go running every time there's adversity. When adversity shows up, it's time to examine the prayer closet and say, God, what is it that I've been neglecting in my life? What areas of my heart have I kept shut? What areas of my mind, what strongholds in my life have not yet been pulled down? God, I know everybody thinks that I've been watering, but you and I know the truth. I've been skipping by that prayer closet. I've been walking by that Bible. I've been letting some things go in my life huh? and could it be there's some things growing underneath the surface that need to be exposed hallelujah the Bible says the Lord loveth whom he correcteth you know sometimes we run from correction right I didn't like correction. The rod of correction on the seat of understanding. We run from that. Right? And I've explained to my children. I'm like. These spankings that you don't like. I'm like. If you don't like them now. You're really not going to like when God has to deal with something in your life. Because something happens when we get older. We become a little more set in our ways. Right? We like our coffee just a certain way. Right? We like our clothes just a certain way. We like the, uh-oh, the thermostat set at just an exact temperature. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm starting fights. Man. <laughs> and somebody goes messing with things the way that we like them to be, mm, them is fighting words. That's what I always loved about youth ministry. Because in youth ministry, young people, they still have this malleability to their spirit. They're being formed. And they're being transformed. Mm, I feel the Holy Ghost. But you get a little bit on in life. We start thinking we know some things. And all of a sudden that teachable spirit becomes more elusive the older that we get. Mm. And there's nothing like a little bit of fire. To come into your life to reveal the attitudes that you settled on years ago. I didn't intend to go down this vein here tonight. But clearly I'm bumping up against some stuff. And that's okay because I don't mind the friction. I know there's been many times in my life. Maybe you don't have to say amen here in a second. Where my stubbornness mm, has caused the Lord to say, all right, Vinny, I tried to do it the nice way. I'm taking my hands off 
And I'm going to let you do it the hard way. I'm going to let you start dealing with the consequences of your stubbornness. You think you know it all? I'm going to go ahead and let you learn how much you really know. I'm going to go ahead and let you discover where that attitude is going to lead you. Where that mindset is going to take you. Mm. Woo. You know what I love about my kids? They love to learn. No matter what I'm doing, they want to learn how to do it. They have a hunger to learn. And when I take the time to teach them, chances are that skill set's going to stay with them for a long time. Mm. This season that we are walking through this year is revealing to families, to marriages, to young people and older people alike exactly what's been growing in their life. And here's the thing. When you water what God wants you to water, it'll increase and it will survive the fire. But the things that you water that God doesn't want in your life because of his mercy, that all-consuming fire begins to burn up that stuff in your life that God doesn't want there. That's why we don't run from the fire when the fire shows up, when that pressure and that heat gets turned up in our life and it feels like every day there's something happening that's pressing our temperament that's pushing our stress level what is that that's that all-consuming fire of God saying I'm gonna allow a little bit more chaos a little bit more pressure a little bit more fire into your life because there's some things that I want to see consumed in your life that you were never supposed to water Ah. This okay? A few months back, kids were doing hybrid school at home, and I had to sit down and read this passage with Sister Aubrey. And it was to practice her fluency and her reading comprehension. And so I sat down with her to help her on her homework. And this is the passage that we had to read together. Or that I had to listen to her read, rather. Redwoods are the tallest trees in the world. The tallest redwood is taller than a 26-story building. How do redwoods get so big? First, they live where the weather is just right for them. They thrive in an environment that is suited for their growth. Though they don't get much rain, fog comes in every day, and the trees get water from the fog. There is life in the atmosphere of their environment. Redwoods are not hurt by pests. 
Redwoods have a very thick bark, so insects can't hurt the inside of the trees. They're impervious to infestation. Even fire does not hurt redwood trees. Redwoods have three ways to guard against forest fire. First, their bark must get very hot in order to burn because it's so thick and such a strong defense. Next, the needles and branches, which burn more easily than the bark, are far up from the ground, and fire almost never reaches them. And because redwood branches keep the sunlight from getting to the forest floor, not many plants can grow under the redwoods, so fires don't start easily in the forest. It's a good thing redwoods are so healthy, for they take many years to grow. They often live and keep growing for 2,000 years. They are some of the oldest living things in the world. While reading this article with Aubrey, the Holy Ghost grabbed my attention and showed me some parallels about the church and the redwoods. First was the thickness of the bark. And I began to think about that outer layer of protection. When I wasn't serving the Lord, I had an outer layer of protection. It's called bitterness, callousness. Because this world will teach you to be hard so that things from the outside can't affect the inside. But that's not the way of the Lord. The Lord understands that we need an outer layer of protection. But he also needs accessibility to our heart. So he said, I'm going to give you a different layer of protection called the armor of God. I'm going to give you the helmet of salvation so you can protect your mind uh, from the things of this world. I'm going to give you the sword of the spirit uh, so that you can speak truth uh, when lies come against you. I'm going to give you the shield uh, of faith to guard against the fiery darts of the wicked. Uh, I'm going to give you that breastplate of righteousness uh, to protect your heart uh, from the emotions and the things of this world uh, that would seek to deceive you. Uh, I want you to gird your loins with truth. Uh, and to shod your feet with the preparation huh, of the gospel of peace. Huh? He said, if you'll take on huh, this outer layer of protection, huh, it'll protect you huh, from that bitterness, huh, from that callousness, huh, from the lies of the world, huh, from the cheap shots of the enemy, huh, from the things huh, of our world that seek to deceive us and consume us. Huh. Then... I read about the redwoods surviving on little groundwater. And this article said that the redwoods would pull moisture from the fog to water themselves. Mm. And I started thinking back over the course of this year. And this parallel struck me so deeply. As an evangelist, I've traveled around a bit. And I've been in some churches with little groundwater. And I've been in some places where the well just flowed very easily. 
But this year when churches shut down, we were in a situation where we couldn't just come and drink from a well that had already been prepared for us. There was no praise team to lead us, no pastor to push us, no, no anybody in the microphone to urge us uh, to plug in and pull out uh, what God was offering in that moment. Uh, but instead, uh, we found ourselves in our homes uh, forced to deal with the condition of the atmosphere in our house. Mm. And what we discovered is some of us had little groundwater at home. And the atmosphere wasn't producing what we needed to sustain life. And all of a sudden we were put in a situation where we had to begin to take authority over the atmosphere in our homes and say, God, you know, I don't understand everything that's happening this year. I don't understand why things are going the way that they're going. The disruption to our schedules, the chaos that's broken out, the way that it's affected so many of the people that we love. But God, I need you in the atmosphere of my home. Lord, it seems like there's a fog that has settled in over the whole world. And what the Redwoods learned is that fog was not something to be dismissed, but it was a source of life. That fog that blew in this year, and we're all disoriented and looking around. Some of us wanted to run from it, but God sent it to cover us. And he said, hey, the doors to the church may be shut, but there is life in the atmosphere. You can plug in to the atmosphere and get what you need to sustain life. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We learned that the fog wasn't there to blind us. It was there to cover us. Huh. Hallelujah. Then in this article talks about how the branches are so high above the ground that the forest fire flames can't reach the branches. Mm. That one got me. David said, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. He said, it shall, he said, I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. Anybody ever read that before? Yes. Cleave. Yes. You know what he was saying? He was saying, when you allow wickedness before your eyes, it's an attachment point to your life. It's an attachment point to your life. Paul said, give us ears to hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. What you listen to and what you watch are attachment points in your life. For some of you, it's far too easy for the enemy to show up in your home any day of the week and start a fire 
just like that because there's easily accessible branches. There's low-hanging fruit that's always accessible to him where he can walk in and he can start a fight. He can start a disruption. He can steal the peace. He can cause an argument. He can disrupt the atmosphere in the home because of those low-hanging branches. But watch this. Would you stand with me for just a minute? And all over this house, I want you to lift your hands to the air right now. Lift your head towards heaven. And for the next 30 seconds, I want you to begin to declare the goodness of God. Begin to worship the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Come on. Every hand lifted. Every head lifted towards heaven. Get your mind on Jesus. Jesus, you are king of all kings. You are Lord of all lords. Your glory. You are glorious. You are faithful. You are Jehovah. You are Rapha, our healer. That's it. As you begin to lift your voices and as you begin to lift your hands, you know what's not happening. You're not hearing the voice of the enemy. You're not thinking about what the adversary huh, is trying to do in your life huh, but your mind and your heart huh, is set on Jesus huh. not only did David say I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes but what else did he say in Psalms 34? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. You know what he was saying? He was saying I'm not giving the enemy any attachment points in my life. I'm living above the flame. I'm living above the fire. I'm living above the destruction. Ah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hmm. Maybe seated. That's why we got to stop listening to fear. 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 I take authority and dominion over every voice of the adversary. Lord, that has set up residence in our homes, in the church. Every voice of fear that has gained access to our minds, to our ears, to our television sets, to our phone screens, computer screens, and iPads 
latrines. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I command the voice of the adversary to be cut off tonight. Stop listening to the voice of fear in the name of Jesus. When you think twice about leaving home, when you think twice about doing this or that, because fear grips your heart, what's happening? The fire is revealing what you've been watering. I know you didn't like it. It's all right. But it's true anyhow. Ah. I'm in the thick of it now. Huh. That passage said that when the fire tries to sweep through a redwood forest, that there's no smaller plants on the ground. So there's no kindling. You know what your praise and worship does? You know what your focus on God in the whirlwind does? It creates a canopy of his glory that stops pettiness from growing in your life. If every time somebody doesn't look at you right, doesn't greet you the right way, doesn't say the right thing, doesn't sing the right song, doesn't preach the right sermon, it's a little too loud, it's not loud enough, it's a little too cold, I'm a little too tired. You know what that is? That's a little bit of pettiness growing on the forest floor of your life. And God is saying, hey, if you keep your mind on me, if you keep uh, your heart on me, uh, if you keep uh, my glory uh, and my goodness uh, on your lips, uh, if you keep uh, your hands raised, uh, if you keep uh, your eyes on him, uh, there won't be room uh, for pettiness uh, to grow in your life. Uh, and it won't be so easy uh, for the adversary uh, to step into your home uh, and set fire to everything. Uh, one of the last characteristics that that passage mentioned is the longevity of life of the redwood tree it says that the redwood tree grows some of them for up to and over 2,000 years 2,000 years well that number seems familiar what was it that's been alive for 2,000 oh it's the church that's what it is it's the church hmm. 2,000 years and we're still standing Ha-ha! We're still sta- 
The church has been growing for over 2,000 years. The enemies of Israel did not destroy the church. False doctrine did not destroy the church. Persecution has not destroyed the church. False accusations have not destroyed the church. The canopy of truth is higher than the lies of the enemy that try to attack us from below. Time has not destroyed the church. It has only caused it to grow. And what we have found in 2020 is that the strange fire of our world cannot destroy the church. Mm. The fires of fear, the fires of torment, the fires of division, the fires of anarchy, the fires of political pressure, the fires of our world cannot destroy the church. You know why? Because he increased the church. The church is not the work of man, but it's the work of God. And it will not be consumed by fire. If it has ever been revealed, it is being revealed right now. We are the church of the living God. We are the church of the living God. No environmental condition, no storm, no spiritual arsonist is going to be able to destroy the church. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Woo! Friend, if you think what happens or doesn't happen in Washington is going to be what takes out the church, then you can't see the forest for the trees. Tyranny, torture, false doctrine, martyrs, drought, disease, false teachers, secret sin, carnality, oppression, and destruction. But the church is still here. In 2020, the church has endured every attack that the enemy has in his arsenal in one year. Persecuted. False accusations. The local, we'll call them the local fake news media. Uh Uh-oh. Trigger. Has tried to smear many of our own pastors for having the faith to congregate. Churches have experienced a lack of water flow. The church was boarded up. So we saturated the atmosphere and pulled our strength from the fog that we were forced to dwell in. We have watched as few, a few of our tallest and strongest men have passed from this life into eternity. And while we are deeply grieved by their passing, the impartation of their ministry lives on in the church. Pastors have been attacked from within their own ranks. That's right, I didn't expect an amen there either. 
as some parishioners have allowed the voice of Egypt to permeate their attitudes and their perspectives. Our shepherds have been attacked by the very ones they're trying to lead. Pulpits have been traded for social media influencers with no accountability. Social media has become a pulpit with no pastor to guard it. What's happening, you ask? There is a clear and definite shift that is taking place. The season is shifting. Don't let your eyes deceive you. The strange fire of a world without God is sweeping across our globe. And the source of every increase is being revealed by the fire. Rather than looking for a reprieve, start examining what's left standing in your life because the fire is revealing all. If the fire's consuming it, stop trying to save it. If the fire's consuming it, stop trying to save it. The fire is revealing what God has increased and what I have increased. And everything I've tried to increase is being consumed by the fire of the season. And honey, I'm not going to waste my energy trying to save the temporal. I'm grabbing hold of the eternal in this house. Paul said, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a greater and exceeding eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You want to know what's happening in 2020? The church is being reveal ah. the church is being revealed I'm excited about it because what I see is the world pushing harder on the church than any other institution in society right now. It's throwing every dart, every weapon, every accusation, every lie, everything in its arsenal is being assaulted against the church. And the church is being revealed because every day the church marches on. The church is still praying. The church is still reaching. The church is still growing. The church is still exploding. The church is still experiencing the miraculous. The church is being revealed. That's why it matters how you react. That's why it matters uh, what conversations uh, you engage in uh, when you leave this building. Uh, because for people out there, you are the church. Yes. Right. Yes. 
The faithful are still standing. The consecrated are still contending for the faith. The reapers are still seeing harvest. The doctrine is still delivering. The blood is still healing. His light is still shining. The church is still gathering. Pastors are still preaching. Evangelists are still reaching. And the faithful are still praising. And the church is still standing. The church is being revealed by the fire of our season to the world all around us. You want to know what you think everybody's looking at Washington? People are looking at the church will they fold under the pressure will they negotiate will they collapse will they back up people are looking at you they're looking at the church The church is being revealed. Every false hope, every illusion of happiness, every enemy of truth, every tyrant of persecution, and every combatant of the church is being revealed. Have you noticed that all the traditional wisdom of man, everything that everyone ever told you was wise and that you could count on is failing. But they closed the doors to the church. They smeared the church. They accused the church. But the church is still here. The work of God will withstand the fire. And the church will withstand this season. It will press through the selfishness of socialism. It will break through the tragedy of anarchy. It will bring peace in the midst of torment and terrorism. The work of God is being revealed. We are his handiwork. We are the church. We are the sheep of his pasture. We are the bride of Christ. And we will stand above the fire. <laughs> God sent fire as a precedent in his word years ago as a method to reveal who his hand is upon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood before the most formidable and intimidating tyrant the world has ever known. They would not bow before King Nebuchadnezzar. And how did he respond? 
He responded by trying to destroy the people of God with fire. But you already know. He walked out unharmed, not burned. And the Spirit of the Lord was with them. It's not time to fear the fire that this world uh, is trying to burn us up with. Uh, it's time to keep your hands lifted uh, and your eyes on Jesus. Uh, and if you will not bow uh, to the pressure of fear, you will walk through the fire uh, just like those Hebrew boys did. Uh, and you will see that God is with you uh, and he is revealing himself in your life. In the mind, the greatness of our God is being revealed in this hour. I'm going to invite you to stand with me as I come to a close. Those three Hebrew boys were not consumed in that furnace. The Lord spoke to Moses through a bush. The bush was not consumed. And only Elijah was able to call down fire. God uses fire to reveal his people, reveal his church, reveal himself. Those three Hebrew boys, Moses and Elijah, all of them, all of them faced the tyranny of dictatorship. But the fire brought them out. The fire revealed the power of God. The fire revealed the man of God. And the fire delivered the people of God. And the fire ushered in the miracles of God. On March 4th, 2019, a massive fire nearly destroyed a West Virginia church in the middle of the night. But firefighters made a discovery when digging through the rubble the next morning that some are calling miraculous. Around 1 a.m. Sunday, the Coal City Fire Department was dispatched to assist in a fire at Freedom Ministries Church in Grandview, West Virginia. The volunteer firefighters say, though the odds were against them, God was not. This is a direct quote from one of those firefighters. He said, picture this, a building so hot that at one point in time, firefighters had to back out. In your mind, everything would be burned to ashes, but not a single Bible was burned and not a single cross was harmed and not a single 
firefighter was hurt. I shall double see. Church, we are being revealed in this hour to the church around us as the ones who are not consumed by the fire. So when the heat is up, if you feel yourself being consumed, start paying attention to what you're watering. Lift your hands towards heaven. Lift your eyes to the hills from whence cometh your help. Let a praise be on your lips. Don't reiterate the words of fear that this world wants you to recite every single day. Begin to recite the Psalms. Begin to profess the goodness of God. And you will see that as a child of God, you will not be consumed by the fire of this season, but rather you will be revealed. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Jesus, Lord, you're speaking to people here tonight. Lord, there's somebody in this building right now that you've been reaching for since the beginning of song service. You've dealt with so much pain, so much anguish that you developed an outer layer of protection. Years ago, you learned to callous your heart, callous your spirit, so that you couldn't be hurt anymore. But I feel the Lord asking you to allow that all-consuming fire to consume that bitterness tonight, to consume that callousness tonight, and to trade in that outer layer of protection that you manufactured for a relationship with him that you can have confidence in. Because he wants to fill you with his spirit. He wants to give you access to the atmosphere. So that no matter what's going on in your life, you can tap in. You can tap in. No matter where you are and touch God. You can reach into the atmosphere and get a hold of Him in that midnight hour. Church, I'm going to open up this altar here tonight and I'm going to invite you to come. I don't know what you're facing, what circumstances you've been dealing with in your life. But I know that the Lord wants to reveal himself in those circumstances tonight. He wants to show himself strong in the middle of your loss. He wants to be your comfort in the middle of that despair. He wants you to know that you can trust him with the baggage. You can trust him with the destruction. Yes. 
let him reveal himself in your life right now he's saying come on just walk into the furnace with me you can trust me I know the furnace looks scary but everything that's not of me is going to burn up you know when they walked in that furnace they were bound but when they walked out those ropes were gone they were no longer bound the only thing that burned in the fire was what man tried to bind them with you lift your hands to the Lord right now and just begin to respond come on begin to respond to the Lord tonight